not only the things of God, but how to have a relationship with God as well. Amen. Amen. Well, today's message is entitled, uh, this might be the last of this series. Uh, this series has been called Perfected by Love. And today's title is The Pure in Heart See God. The Pure in Heart See God. So to be perfected by God's love is to have a heart that is made pure and eyes that will and do see God. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we come to you now after having worshiped you. We sit still at your feet now, God. We've bowed and we've sang and we've danced and we've swayed and we've lifted hands. But now we sit at your feet and we're thankful to be able to hear a word from heaven, a word from the Lord. Holy Spirit, open our ears that we may hear what you have to say to this church today. Faith come now in Jesus' name by the hearing of the word of God. Purify our hearts. Wash us with your word. May we begin to see where we need you more. May we repent when we need to repent, God. We declare now in Jesus' name that may you have mercy upon our soul and thank you so much for loving us enough to give us your word and to teach us. I pray for an anointing to be upon me as the teacher and anointing to be upon them as the listeners and the students. Holy Spirit, take over. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you could please open them to Matthew 5, verse 8. The words may be on the screen behind me as well. Father, I thank you for this holy moment. I thank you for this holy, holy moment that you're drawing us into. Thank you for this holy moment that you're drawing us into right now, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your mercy to hear a word like this. We need our hearts to be cleaned. We need our hearts to be made pure so that we might have that blessing of being able to see you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We've seen a lot of stuff with these eyes, Lord. We want a blessing of being pure in heart so that we might see you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the pure see God. Thank you, Kimberly. The pure see God. I want to be pure. How many of you want to be pure? The Bible says the pure see God. We know what it's like to be impure. We know what it's like to be sinful because when we're sinful, we see trouble. When we're sinful, we see calamity. When we're sinful, we see things wrong and, and bad things happening. Look in this world right now. Look at the state of this world. What do you see happening in this world? So much destruction, so much evil, so much greed. They're not seeing God. But the Bible says that the pure in heart, that we will see God. Matthew 5, 8, I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that as we listen to this message today, as you speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that you are purifying our hearts, that you're cleansing us. And the purer your heart is, the clearer your eyes will be. The purer your heart is before God, the clearer your eyes will be, and you'll be able to see things clearly. You'll be able to see things as God sees them. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. We're moving on to Psalms chapter 1 right now, and it says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. 
But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating it on it day and night. So those of you who read your Bibles, those of you who study the word of God, the word says that you are blessed. Why? Because you meditate on the word day and night. It says that you have joy because you do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Why? Because your delight is in the law or the word of God, that you meditate on it both day and night. It says that they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Church, can you say this with me? I bear fruit in each season. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. I'm trying to tell you that you are blessed if you delight yourself in the Lord. If your focus becomes following the commands and the statutes and the principles of God, that you will be like a tree that is planted by the water and that you will bring forth fruit in every season. Listen to what else it says. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. These are the pure in heart. And the way that your heart becomes purified is when you focus your life and you focus yourself on the word of God. The word of God washes your mind. The word of God washes your motives. The word of God cleanses your heart. And it's so important to remember these things that you will be blessed if you say, God, purify me. And the way that we remain purified is by meditating day and night on the word of God so it can clean our minds. Verse 4 says, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the world, wind rather. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So right now, God can see all of us, but all of us cannot see God. For the word says that only the pure in heart will be able to see him. Sinners will not be able to see him because he's going to push them away from his presence and that is hell all by itself. Hell all by itself is being outside of God's presence. It's being away from God. And I want you to know that if you desire to see God, that you must allow him to purify you. Now, you can take your car to the car wash, but you can't take your soul anywhere else to be cleansed except to God. God is the one that cleanses your soul. I want you to listen to this. A lot of people in the world think, I'll start coming to church or I'll get right with God after I clean myself up a bit. I still cuss a little too much. I still drink a little too much. I still like a little of this and I still like a little of that, but I'm here to tell you that you can never clean yourself up, that God is the one that purifies and God is the one that washes. And once you begin to see how holy and pure God is, you will also have to see his love for you because God is unapproachable outside of his love. His love is the thing that brings us into perfection. His love is the thing that cleanses us from our sins and sanctifies us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And once you become, <clears throat> become pure, or have a desire to be purified, you can have a testimony that you walk with God. Come on, church, that you walk with God, that I have a desire to be pure all the days of my life. You see, I don't want to be ready just on my deathbed. I want to be ready right now. I want every moment that I am walking that I be walking with God. And the only way to do that is to have a pure heart. And the only way to have a pure heart is to say, God, will you sanctify me and will you cleanse me by your blood. And when we do mess up, we say, Lord, I repent. I did something that offends you. I have, I have done something wicked. I have sinned. Will you cleanse me? And the Lord says, yes. So we must understand this, that walking with God is walking to God. Can you say this with me? When I walk with God, I walk to God. 
When you're walking with God, you're walking to God. The Holy Spirit is going to present us faultless one day to the Lord. So it's very important that as we walk with God uh, by being obedient to his Holy Spirit right now, that when the Holy Spirit says, don't you say that to your wife, you don't say that. When the Holy Spirit says, don't you say that to your boss, you don't say that. Because why? He's trying to present you faultless. He's trying to keep you in right standing with God. He's trying to keep you pure. Why? Because he's taking you to see God. The Holy Spirit is taking us to see God. When we walk by the Spirit, we see God. When we obey his commandments, we see the blessings of God because he has purified us in heart. So the testimony, church, this morning is that when you walk with God, you are walking to God. Let's see some examples of some great men in the Bible who did just that. They had a pure heart and they walked with God. And by walking with God, we see them walk to God. The first one is Enoch. In, in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, Enoch of a pure heart walked with God. Enoch of a pure heart, church, can you say of a pure heart? Enoch of a pure heart walked with God. Verse 21, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship. That means walking with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, listen to this, walking in close fellowship with God, pure in heart. When you walk with God, you're going to be pure in heart. You're going to see God. Then the Bible says, then one day he disappeared because God took him. Remember what I said, walking with God is walking to God. When you're walking with God and being obedient to God, you're walking with him so that you can be with him. You're walking to him, rather. So we see that Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him. Let's look at another example. Elijah, of a pure heart, he walked with God. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 2 say this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. So listen, he heard what God said and he was about to do it. That's how we know we're pure in heart because we obey God. We walk with him. We do what he says. For the Lord says that those that love me, they obey my commandments. That's what keeps your heart pure. That's what keeps the love flowing between you and God when you are obeying his word. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. 2 Kings 2.11 says this, as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. So first he walked with God, and then he was taken to God. Church, can you say suddenly? suddenly. Now listen, one of these days, suddenly we will die. And we will have to go somewhere. And if you're walking with God, then you're going to walk to God. But if you're walking right now away from God, then you're not going to be with God. The only way to get to God is to walk with God and to remain pure in heart. Let's look at another example. Stephen, of a pure heart, walked with God. We're in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, that every follower, every believer in this place be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, give them a hunger, give them a desire, give them the faith to simply ask for that gift. For you said that you would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And God, we don't want just a portion of the Holy Spirit. We don't want a taste of the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit that we might walk in power and in truth and in light. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus. Remember, the pure in heart, they see God. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Remember what I said? Stephen walked with the Lord. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He saw God. And when we walk with God, we are walking to God and we will eventually see God. Do you know how much faith it takes to serve God? Do you know how much faith it takes to wake up every single day and reject the world? To say, you know what? I don't want this sin. I don't want this wickedness. Although I can see it, I can feel it, I can taste it, I can have it, but I can't really see God with my natural eyes right now. None of us have seen God with our natural eyes yet, but we've got the faith to believe that he is God. And if we walk with God, then one day we will see God because he is purifying us. And the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Finally, Nathaniel of a pure heart, he walked to God. Now, when Jesus was here in the flesh, people did see God uh, with their eyes, if their eyes were open to behold him as the Son of God. So let's listen how this can happen to us while we're still alive on this earth. We're in John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, and it says this, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. What was his name, church? Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Lima, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can any good come from Nazareth? Come and see yourself. Philip replied. Now listen, church, this is our mission. This is our eternal purpose as it relates to being Christians, okay? That we might tell the world, come and see Jesus. We have found him. We know who the Messiah is. Verse 47. Now remember, I said, Nathaniel, all these others walked with God, and now Nathaniel's about to walk to God. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, talking about Nathaniel, a man of complete integrity. The uh, King James Version says no guile. There was no guile. Here is a man with no guile. So Jesus was able to look at Nathaniel and say, here is a man with no guile. Here is a man with no deception. Here is a man who is trustworthy. And what we're aiming for is for Jesus to be able to look at us and say, look at this one. This one is holy. This one is pure. This one is saved. This one is righteous. Verse 48, how do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. So at that moment, Nathaniel's eyes were open to see God. Verse 50, Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. You see, the pure in heart, we see things. Verse 51, then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who was the stairway between heaven and earth. So my question to you, church, this morning, those of you who uh, say that you know Jesus, those of you that say that you know God, um, it should be impossible for us to see him and not be changed. It should be impossible for us to see him and not be changed. Let's look at two examples of people that had the opportunity to see God and what they went through, the, the, the dynamic experience that they encountered. 
Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be going. Now, if we have really seen God, if we have really had an encounter with God, it should change us, right? But the Bible says that any one of us who puts our hand to the plow and then looks back, we're not fit for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that uh, it's impossible for us who have tasted of his goodness, those of us who have tasted of repentance and his righteous works, that if you taste that and then you walk away, then there remains no more sacrifice for us. So we've got to get it right now. When do we have to get it right? Right now. If you have beheld Jesus, if you have called him Savior, if he has saved your soul, it should change you by seeing him and having this encounter with him. We're in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. It says this. This is Isaiah talking. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Who did he see? He saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other. Remember what we sang a little bit ago? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Do you notice how when we sang holy that his glory began to be tangible in this room and we could feel his presence? Because that word belongs to him. That definition belongs to him alone. Verse 4, their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. This is what a man who sees God says. It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And by that, his mouth was clean. By that, he was purified. Let's look at another example of someone who sees God and what happens to them. We're going to the book of Revelation. This is John. He had an encounter with God. When Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. <clears throat> he heard a voice. And we pick up in verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He had seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead just overpowered by seeing God. When you see God, there's something in you that should bow. There's something in you that should be overwhelmed, okay? But he, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, for I am the first and the last. Back in the Old Testament days, when someone was impure, whether they had, they were bleeding or had some kind of skin disease, they had to call out. Everywhere they walked around, they had to call out, unclean, unclean. That way people could stay away from them, that they would not have contact with them, so that they could remain ceremonial, ceremonially clean. Leviticus chapter 13, 45 and 46, we're going somewhere. Listen to what it says. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So when we're not pure in heart, we can't see God. 
When we're not pure in heart, we must be kept outside of the camp. And the camp that I'm talking about today is the kingdom of God, that we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. I don't care how good of an employee you've been, how good of a father, how good of a husband or a wife, none of that has any merit in the presence of a holy God. Do you understand that? That the only way that we please and appease the wrath of God is by receiving the Lamb of God who he, he was slain on our behalf. So can you imagine today if those of us who are not right with God or those of us who have a, a, a backstated, dis, backslidden disposition or those of us who are Christians but sometimes struggle with some things, if we had to cry out everywhere we went, impure, 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 people look at us like we were crazy. And, and it would break our own hearts, wouldn't it? Can you imagine how embarrassing that would be to have to cry out, impure, impure, impure. Now, don't look at me funny. Some of you have had some impure thoughts. Some of you have, have, have done some things that doesn't please God even while you were saved. And that makes us impure. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and sanctifies us from all sin. And all we have to do is put our faith in God and say, Father, I repent. Please wash me, purify me, and cleanse me so I can see you. Listen to me. There is nothing more important than seeing God. I don't care about anything else in this world. The thing you need to see the most is God. You need to see his face in peace at the end of your life. It's all that matters. Nothing in this world that could, that could make you impure is worth missing God. So what does it profit a man to obtain the whole world but then lose his soul? Nothing matters more than seeing God. So let's find out what makes us impure. Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. So, Father, as I read this, I pray in Jesus' name that you would awaken us all to our own impurities. Because sometimes we have spots on us that we cannot see. And your word says you're coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So, Jesus, may these words wash us. As we hear these verses, may they wash us by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. I pray that a great conviction of the Holy Spirit will fall upon us to touch those areas of our hearts and lives that are impure right now. Because if we are impure, we cannot see God. In these moments, awaken us, cleanse us with your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in James chapter 4. We don't want to have to cry out impure, impure, but here are the things that makes us impure according to the word of God. It says this, you adulterers. What is an adulterer? An adulterer is when someone who is married goes to be with someone else, right? It's cheating on your spouse, cheating on the one that you love. And the Bible says, you adulterers, don't you realize, this is deep, you guys, you brothers and sisters in Christ, we got to catch this. We've got to catch this because only a few of us are really going to be saved. Only a remnant of us really get to see God's face in peace. And if you want that to be you, you need to perk up and listen to what I'm about to say right now through the power and truth of the Holy Spirit. This is what makes us impure. We think, well, I'm not robbing banks or I'm not killing anyone. I'm not hurting anyone. That's not what makes us impure. Yes, those are sins and they do cause impurities, but that's just, that's just because something else has already happened in our heart. Listen to this. Don't you realize, church, can you say revelation? revelation. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So what does this mean? As a child or as an infant in Christianity, I thought it meant that you couldn't be friends with people in the world. And you even have to kind of balance those friendships because the Bible says what fellowship does light and darkness have with each other, right? So it's not that we can't be friends and love people, we just can't let 
the worldliness in them affect the godliness in us. We can't let the darkness in them affect the light in us. We can't tone our light down so that we can have friendship with the world. So what does friendship with the world mean? It means to be, because he said we're adulterers. So it means to be falling in love with this world and the things of this world. We got to be careful, y'all, because I don't have my phone on me right now, but that phone brings a lot of worldliness in front of my eyes. Do you agree? And we've got to be careful about our cravings, like, right? Now, now, when you're dating someone or when you're married to someone, you love to be in their presence, right? And when you're away from them, there's a part of your heart and your, and your, your soul that reaches out to them. I really need them. I really want to be with them. I'm going to text them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to meet up with them. But I feel like these phones sometimes... There's something about these phones and these televisions and this media that we kind of crave sometimes. Am I being honest? Right? And, and it's like, okay, where's my phone? Where, where is it? Where'd it go? Where, there's this longing and craving for it. And it's not, it's not so that we can pick up the Bible and go to the Bible app. Be quiet, okay, the quieter you are, the more I know I'm telling the truth. It's so that we can go to these worldly sites. And get this worldly entertainment, this, these worldly, and it's not, I'm not just saying you, I'm saying we, because I need to be purified. God needs to change our palate. Lord, cleanse my palate that I might hunger for righteousness, that I might hunger for the things of God. And even hearing this, even hearing this upsets some of us just as much as the word diet does. Because a diet is a restriction, a restriction on what I can have and what I can eat and when I can eat it. But I'm trying to tell you that, the, that Jesus says that we're adulterers if we want friendship with the world, right? So, Father, how, how, many, how many want to be delivered from that? Just, just lift your hands now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray now. Say, Lord, I, I want to be delivered from this longing for the things of this world. Father, I declare now in the name of Jesus Christ that you break our secret love with this world. You break our addiction to friendship with this world, God. We feel like we got to fit in, that we've got to know the trends, God, that we've got to know what's going on and happening in the world system. And Lord, it impurifies us. It brings impurity into us. So I declare now in Jesus' name that we be free in Jesus' name for an ungodly love of this world that is perishing, an ungodly love of this world that's been reserved for your judgment and wrath. We pull our love back from the world and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thank you all so much for your honesty in that moment. Let's keep going. Verse 5. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. The Bible also tells us that God is a jealous God. Verse 6, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what can we do now then? We don't want to be adulterers to God. We want to love God. And the only way we can love God is to love God the way that he has required we love him. This is how we're perfected by love. We've got to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Why all? Because if there's any left over, it'll go to the world. And the more that goes to the world, the less that goes to God. And that's why he calls us an adulterer. Because all of our love doesn't belong to him. So how do we fix this? Verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Man. So we've got to know that some of that temptation is, is driven by the enemy. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? That the enemy highlights exactly to Eve what she can't have? Be careful of your cravings. Check your cravings sometimes. Am I craving something that I can't have? Am I craving something that is ungodly? And then in that moment, you must submit yourself to God. Father, I repent. 
Forgive me for these cravings. I don't like these cravings. That that I want to do is what I end up not doing. And that that I don't want to do is what I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So in every moment, listen, and you can't beat temptation by yourself. So in every moment of temptation, you must submit yourself to God. Then you're able to resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. All right, verse 8, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Do you hear that? Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands you sinners, purify your hearts. Remember, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purify your hearts. Well, what's wrong with our heart, God? Why are you calling it impure? Why are you calling us an adulterer? Why? Well, in the very next scripture, we see why. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Can someone say, Lord, help me? Man, I don't want to miss heaven for that. This world sucks. I don't want to miss heaven for this world. Are you telling me that people are going to miss heaven because they love this world? And this world is rotten and falling apart and everything is disappearing? I don't want to love this world. I don't want to be like those outside of Noah's boat. They watched him build the thing forever, and then it began to rain, and it said, God shut the door. And all those outside the ark perished. Why? Because they were were falling in love, getting married, partying, doing all these things. And the Bible says that the the, the return of Jesus will be just like in the days of Noah. So we look at them and say, man, how could they miss it? And Jesus looks at us and says, man, don't you miss it. Don't you love this world? Keep your heart pure. How do we keep our hearts pure? By loving God only. He has to be our first love, but not just our first love, our only love. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. So we learn that the thing that impurifies our hearts and makes us adulterers is that... We have allowed ourselves to have a a loyalty that's divided between God and the world. If our loyalty is divided between God and the world, then we are none of his. Because the love of the Father is not in us. Okay? So we have to determine that right now. I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to pause for a moment to give us all an opportunity to come to truth. Because the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, only you can answer this question because I assume that you love Jesus because you're sitting here. I assume that you're serving God because you're sitting here and you're listening. But only you and him know the truth right now. And oh, how he loves you to give you this moment of reconciliation. And I'm going to ask you a question. Is your loyalty divided between God and the world? Do you have a love for the world in which God says that we should not? Are you actively living in sin? Are you loving sinful things? That's a divided loyalty. And God loves you so much that he sent a preacher to tell you to repent. Don't do that. Give all of your love to God so he can purify your heart so that you can see his face in peace. In the next few moments, I want you to begin to pray to yourself and ask God to forgive you if you've got divided loyalty. How do we know we've got divided loyalty? Many times it's how we spend our time. If we can spend hours on Facebook, hours in the phone, but minutes in the Bible and minutes in prayer, that's evidence of divided loyalty. If we can be with people who are sinful and lead us into sinful activity as well, when we know that's not how God would lead us, we've got divided loyalty. 
So if that's you right now, this isn't, this isn't to pound you down. This isn't to bring condemnation upon your soul, but the sweet conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ himself to say, while there is still time, I want you to know that I love you and I want you to come away from the world. Put your love of the world down and give your heart to me. Father, I pray that you would do this for us all in Jesus' name. Church, you say amen. All right, let's keep going. Verse 9, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. This is how we know we're sorry for cheating on God. This is how we know we're sorry and we really want our hearts to be purified because we see the ugliness of our sin. There's no true repentance without seeing the ugliness of your sin and how much it breaks the heart of God. He says, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. I wonder how high he will lift us. If you humble yourself to the Lord while you're on earth and say, Father, cleanse me and purify me, bless me with a pure heart, I wonder how high he will lift you up. I think he'll lift you just as high as he lifted Enoch, as high as he lifted Elijah, as high as he lifted Stephen and Nathaniel, high enough as he lifted John. And Isaiah, so high that you might see his face in peace. But it does not come before the humbling. So, Kimberly, you can come back. So what we need now more than anything is the washing of the Lord. The washing of the Lord. I remember, now my mom loves me, but as a preteen, Playing outside all day, coming in the house glistening, right? No shirt on, going into the, well, washing my hands first, and then going into the kitchen and getting something to drink. She'd say something like this to me occasionally. Boy, you sure are musty. <laughs> Maybe some of you heard that before. Boy, you smell like outside. Woo. Go wash up. And there was an age, man, catch this. There was an age that young men and young women have to start wearing deodorant. Changes begin to happen in the body, and you can't smell it, but other people can. And I want you to know the same thing about our impurities. Maybe I can't see you sinning, and maybe we can fool each other but when God sees us, he can say, oh, man, you're impure right now, and you need to be washed. You need to be washed. See, my mom didn't call people on the phone and say, oh, Damien sure does stink. She didn't announce it to the whole neighborhood. She just told me. Why? Because that's love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers, right? Didn't embarrass me. Just said, hey, you need to wash up. You need to be clean, right? Let's listen to this. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. He came from God and returned to God. Listen. You came from God. It's important that you return to God, right? Verse 4, So, excuse me. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now 
Well, I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Church, do you hear this? Unless he washes us, we won't belong to him. And he doesn't doesn't say, "You, you can only be this amount of dirty or you can only be this amount of unclean and then I will wash you. The love of Jesus is such that he washes away our sins if we are willing. Church, can you say willing? First, Peter had to be willing to allow Jesus to wash his feet. Don't allow pride to get in your way. Don't allow embarrassment to get in your way. You see, maybe Peter's like, man, my feet are crusty. And I don't want you seeing these things. And somehow that's how how our hearts are. We're like, Lord, my heart is crusty. I don't want you seeing this thing. You can't wash me now. I don't want you to touch me. I got this. And he says, listen, if I don't wash you, you're none of mine. Okay? Verse 9. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. I began this message by saying we have to have a revelation that when we're walking with God, we're walking to God. Man, that's so good. That when you are living your life with God and you're obeying him and you're loving him and you're following him, well, where am I going? When Jesus says, follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Well, where are we going? You're coming to be with me forever. This world is perishing. It's falling apart. Every one of us is dying second by second. But if we're walking with God, we're walking to God because we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And he has purified our hearts and blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Verse 11. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So church, when you see people who are backsliding, right, and not walking with God as they should, then just as Jesus put on a, uh, uh, an apron and went down low to wash their feet, he didn't dog them out. He didn't say, well, look at you. You've been doing this. You were at the club last night, or you did that, or you did this. He just simply bowed down and began to wash their feet. So instead of talking about people and instead of gossiping against people, why don't you just bend down and wash their feet? Why don't you just cover them in prayer and say, the Lord has put you on my heart and I want you to know how much that he loves you so much that you are his and he is yours. Let me wash your feet. The Bible says that those who are strong ought to bear the infirmity of those who are weak. Verse 16, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Let's stand to our feet at this time. Listen to the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, says this. This was God talking to the children of Israel. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now. Let's settle this. Come when, church? Come when? Come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Father, I have given them the word in which I believe that you have for them today. Adam really messed it up for us, but Jesus really got it right. I thank you that the sin nature of Adam has been destroyed in us who will be born again and believe. But there's some people here today, God, they've given you their heart before, but they have walked a different walk. They have walked away from you. They have fallen in love with the world again. But because they heard this message today, their eyes have been opened. Just as the prodigal son's eyes were opened as he sat in the pig pen, longing to eat the food that the pigs were eating, he had his eyes open and said, wait a minute, my father's servants have more than enough to eat, more than I have here. I will go back home and tell my father, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I will be your servant. But when we, we know when he got there, the father would have none of that. The father came running towards him because as your word says, if you come near to God, God will come near to you. So the prodigal's father began to run towards his father, which was un common in that day. It was taboo in that day. But he ran toward his son and said, the son that I thought was dead, he's alive and he's home. So I declare now in Jesus' name that, that backsliders all over the room and those that can hear my voice on Facebook or the internet, that they begin to say, you know what? I'm going home. I'm not going to die dirty. I'm not going to be impure. God, you kept me alive only because of your grace. Even though I have used so many days to love this world that could have been placed on you, I know that you will forgive me if I ask. So Jesus, I ask in this moment, that people see the doors of heaven swing wide with you standing there, purify our hearts that we may see God. Holy Spirit, only you can draw a man or a woman into repentance. You can save couples. You can save kids. You can save the elderly. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter if you've been to prison. Doesn't matter if you've told a lie. Doesn't matter if you've committed murder literally or just by being angry at someone, Jesus saves. So Father, in this moment, if there's anyone here that needs to walk closer to God, I pray, God, that they would walk down this aisles and come to this altar to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask that you purify me now. Don't just wash my feet, Lord. Wash my head too. Wash all of me so that I may be yours in Jesus' name. If there's anyone today that wants to give their life to Jesus, the door is wide open. Take advantage of this moment and come. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. The only thing that matters is you and God. You and God. Are you right with God right now? Here's your opportunity. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. 